Hey everyone, welcome back to the Pause Podcast. We are on day 28 of our 30-day excursion through the book of Exodus. It has been a long journey, but we have made it to chapter 40, the end of Exodus. The end of of the book, the end of the road. So first off, we realized that in all of our allusions to the great detail and grandeur of the tabernacle, we never actually explained it so much beyond that it's a tent of meeting and that Mm -hmm. it's significant. Um, So chapters 35 through 40, which is sort of what we're zooming through today, and then we're going to focus on 40, describe the tabernacle yet again. (laughs) It is (laughs) another description. Yep. So why the repeat? Well, we'll get to that in a minute. But first, we wanted to show you um, a quick blurb of a tabernacle description, one of the many, so that you can sort of imagine what yeah. the tabernacle looked like. We're not all as fortunate as Lindsay to have actually built, built it with our 11-year-old hands. Yeah. So <laughs> this, hopefully this description will give you just something to use your imagination on. So Lindsay's going to read. This is from Exodus 40, or verse 17 through 38. Okay. This Moses did according to all that the Lord commanded him, so he did. In the first month, in the second year, on the first day of the month, the tabernacle was erected. Moses erected the tabernacle. He laid its bases and set up its frames and put in its poles and raised up its pillars. And he spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering of the tent over it as the Lord had commanded Moses. He took the testimony and put it into the ark and put the poles on the ark and set the mercy seat above on the ark. And he brought the ark into the tabernacle and set up the veil of the screen and screened the ark of the testimony as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the table in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle outside the veil and arranged the bread on it before the Lord as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the lampstand in the tent of meeting opposite the table on the south side of the tabernacle and set up the lamps before the Lord as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the golden altar in the tent of meeting before the veil and burned fragrant incense on it as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put in place the screen for the door of the tabernacle and he set the altar of burnt offering at the entrance of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting and offered on it the burnt offering and the grain offering as the Lord had commanded Moses. He set the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it for washing with which Moses and Aaron and his sons washed their hands and their feet. When they went into the tent of meeting and when they approached the altar, they washed as the Lord commanded Moses. And he erected the court around the tabernacle and the altar and set up the screen of the gate of the court. So Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all of the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. So that last verse is the very last verse of Exodus. Yep. Um, So you can, I hope you could sort of use your imagination as mm-hmm. Lindsay was reading that to imagine it's basically this massive tent mm-hmm. yep. um, with another sort of mini tent inside. Yep. 
and it's got these beautiful decorations, um, lampstands, a table, mm-hmm. a different altar, and then inside the mini tent, that's the Holy of Holies, they have um, even more yep. symbolism and the, I'm forgetting the words for it, the mercy seat oh, and- Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Ark of the Covenant. Ark of the Covenant. Yep. Inside the Holy of Holies. Yep. Um, so the outer tent is where Moses or any of the priests could go mm-hmm. to offer offerings and incense. But then the inner tent is where God met with Moses or where God's going to dwell. And it says that he ends up, once they finish, mm-hmm. the cloud descends on the tent and God the fullness of his glory mm-hmm. enters into the Holy of Holies and that's where he dwells with them. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So this chapters 35 through 40 is a repeat almost mm-hmm. verbatim every single word. Yeah. Um, so why, why the repeat? Um, as far as I can tell, these chapters, long descriptions are nearly identical, except that they are in a different tense. Yeah. So the first descriptions, which we saw in chapters 25 through 31, were instructions. So the Lord said to Moses that here's what they should do. Yeah. It's the instructions that he told them. And the second set is uh, the narrative repeating the exact details and confirming, and they did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like yeah. In, in 25 through 31, it would say, and they should erect a lampstand, and this is how tall it should be, and this is what it should be made of. Mm-hmm. And then the second set says, they and they built a lampstand, yeah. and this is how tall it was, and this is what it was made of. So yeah. I I don't know. I kind of love, like, maybe I just noticed it as I was, like, reading out loud, yeah. but I love, like, the phrase I kept saying over and over again was, as the Lord had commanded Moses, mm-hmm. as the Lord had commanded Moses. Um, and I know we talked about obedience one mm-hmm. time. I just, it feels like, it feels really cool <laughs> that they like did as the Lord had commanded them. And they, um, this was what the Lord had asked of them to do. I mean, it's basically a five chapter long checklist. Yep. And it's pretty yep. astounding that yep. they did everything on it down to the very smallest detail. Mm-hmm. And this is a record of like their incredible mm-hmm. obedience, like yeah. you said. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so it seems redundant at first. And you're sure. like, are you kidding me? But then again, it's not really that. Yeah. Because when we consider how significant the tabernacle is, mm-hmm. it makes sense that we they would have to get this right. Yeah, <laughs> This absolutely. is really important. Yeah, absolutely. This is the first dwelling place for God mm-hmm. on earth since the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So then... This book ends the whole, this chapter book ends the whole story of Exodus by describing Mm -hmm. in the very end there, how God takes up residence in their tabernacle. Mm -hmm. So like once they complete all of it down to a T, he um, silently (laughs) shows his approval by this cloud moves over it and he takes up residence. So Mm -hmm. they must've nailed it. Yeah. And the fullness of his glory in the Holy of Holies is so much so that Moses can't even go in mm. at, at first. The commentaries sure. I read were like, that's like, they're kind of waiting for it to calm down. Sure. Um, so then we get this, this cute little epilogue at the end and we get a little peek into the Israelites' future adventures mm. as the narrator tells us yeah. that from then on out, whenever the cloud moved off of the tent, they moved with it and they followed it. And whenever, if they woke up in the tent and the cloud was over the tent, they just stayed put. That mm-hmm. was how they knew where God wanted them to go. 
And just what a way to bookend this this narrative we've been yeah. following for 40 yep. chapters. Yep. So we start this incredible story hearing about the nation of Israel crying out in their slavery, oppression, genocide. And it says that God heard and he knew. So we hear mm. these, we meet the three main characters, the nation of Israel, the God who hears them, and then a baby is born mm. named Moses. Yes. So then we see this like really incredible cinematic story. Yeah. No wonder Prince of Egypt was such a was hit. It was an incredible movie. This hero is shaped, Moses is shaped from the, this this man who kind of refused to be used at first. Mm. And then we see him become this noble and compassionate leader. Mm. His relationship with God becomes one where it says at one point that he speaks to God as a man speaks to a friend. Mm. And so we see yeah. um, sort of a hero's journey through the whole book, and we see Moses growing and being challenged and all the obstacles he has to overcome. But it's all set against this dramatic backdrop of an entire nation being rescued and healed and named and shaped and forgiven. Yeah. It's just, it's storytelling gold. It's it like, it's yeah. how you do it. That's yeah. how you do it. Yeah. That's cool. Cause we talked about in the introduction episode that Exodus is a heroic narrative. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That and you're it kind really of, does. It really, like, that's the genre. Yeah. It, it is like a perfect example mm-hmm. of that genre. Yeah. It's awesome. So this chapter, chapter 40 sort of wraps it all up as mm-hmm. God comes to dwell permanently in this tabernacle that they've been working on for like 15 chapters. Yeah. So... As we know about heroic narratives, Mm -hmm. or what did you call it? Yeah. Yeah, heroic narratives, um, or like epics. Yep, yep. Is that the conclusion of an epic um, sort of has a a familiar cadence to it, and it will usually um, reference the main obstacle or action. It'll reference the main characters involved, and it'll usually return to a, a similar setting or challenge. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like... I mean, we're going to lose some people here, as we learned in season one, but (laughs) we're going to talk about the Lord of the Rings. Obviously. After that whole crazy story, which is really similar, it's a hero Mm -hmm. who didn't want to be used at first. Yes, an unassuming hero. This noble noble man at the end of it. Saves all of Not a man, a halfling. Athlete, <laughs> the heart of a man. <laughs> but, Saves all of humanity. And it's, yeah, you see a whole, yeah, all of humanity, yeah. all of Middle Earth saved this sweep except against the backdrop of them being rescued yeah. as well as he does his journey. Yeah. Um, it's really similar. But then you see it, it starts off with him in the Shire where he lives, Frodo, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything is peaceful and safe and he gets called yep. to this journey. Yep. And then at the very, very end, in the conclusion to the Lord of the Rings series, we see him returning to the Shire yep. with Gandalf, the person who called him to begin with. Yeah. And they sort of reflect on the changes that have happened mm-hmm. and the um, the mission that they completed. Yeah. And we see a similar, in a lot of a lot of epics yep. follow that yep. pattern. That's pretty standard. Is um, uh, the Odyssey, is home, does he, who's the character in Odyssey? I know Homer wrote it. Odysseus. Yes. Does he end Odyssey, up? Odysseus. Yeah. Does he end up in the same place? It just came into my brain. I don't know because he's in a couple of version? different stories. <laughs> Honestly, I'm like haven't brushed up on my Greek in a while. Yeah, that was a like when you think of epic or yeah. Um, I thought of because he returns the home though. That's Doesn't he return home? Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. He returns home. Um, so we see Moses. We find ourselves back with the same main character. Yep. We find ourselves mm. with God, Moses, the Israelites. As Moses completes his hero's journey in a way, he 
you know, brought the people out. He became a leader and he completed his task, which was to yeah. find a place for God to fulfill his covenant to this these people, mm. his his two covenants in a way. Sure. And Moses brings them to the conclusion to the other covenant later on. Sure. Um, but the covenant that we're seeing in this story where mm. God promises to be to dwell among his people. We see yeah. the conclusion to that as he comes to take up residence yeah. in the tabernacle. Um, and God comes to dwell and the story finds a, like a great resolution there with all these characters there yeah. um, for this yeah. like reunion that's cool. episode yeah, almost. That's cool. Um, that's cool. So the Ark of the Covenant itself or the tabernacle itself um, finds its way into like a lot of different iterations over the course of the biblical narrative. So the place where God dwells looks a little different mm-hmm. as as the Israelites change and journey on. So it's the tabernacle for a while. There's a temple that's built. There's a temple that's destroyed. The ark is mm-hmm. lost. It's recovered. There's another temple built. Mm-hmm. They're um, in, what's it called? Exile for a while. Mm-hmm. Then they come back. Nehemiah yeah. does his thing. So yeah. there's this whole, there's always a place where God dwells among his people, but it looks really differently mm-hmm. throughout the narrative. And then it, finally is sort of like abolished completely mm-hmm. in a way, at least in the Christian tradition, by in the New Testament, mm-hmm. Jesus dies on the cross and we see the story again mm-hmm. return to this theme where it started in Eden, then with the tabernacle, and then finally with Jesus, we see it return to this familiar setting with the familiar characters, Yeah, Jesus, the new Moses. Mm. The veil is torn, mm-hmm. right? Can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about that significance? Jesus yeah. dies and the veil mm-hmm. is t- what, like the veil, what is it and why is it important type thing? Well, yeah, it's what's separated. Um, so only people could go into the like Holy of Holies. That was like your direct access. And like so that inner tent. Yeah. And so the veil being torn was like, hey, the sacrificial system is done. Jesus is the final sacrifice. Um, and we have, we have access um, and the Holy Spirit lives within us. And so we are now the temple or the dwelling place of the Lord. Um, and so that was like just kind of the end all be all is like, we are now it. We're now the tabernacle. And I was going to say, does that like, does that make us the new Moses that like, oh, well now we have access the way that Moses did where he was allowed to go in. But yeah. it's sort of like this hybrid identity yeah. we have now where like we are the tabernacle, like we are the access. Mm-hmm. We have direct access to the Holy Spirit. We, mm-hmm. we also have Jesus who intercedes for us the way that yep. Moses intercedes for yeah, them. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yep. And we can intercede for others. Mm-hmm. So we end up with this like hybrid yeah. tabernacle. <laughs> okay, let's do no, our discussion yeah. questions. This is kind of a strange chapter because it just wraps everything up. So yep. Um, if we are the new tabernacle is kind of what we just talked about. How does this sweeping narrative of Exodus that we just watched basically how does that align with our lives what does that teach us yeah i think it teaches us like um or teaches me that god will go to the ends of the earth to rescue us mm. like god will go to great lengths to rescue us yeah and which is what the gospel is right yeah. you know and that he will i, have the I know i was like moana is like playing in my head right now um, but yeah, he will go to great lengths and yeah. he will do whatever it takes and he'll be faithful. Um, no matter what we do, um, he will, um, continue to rescue us. Yeah. Yeah. And he's compassionate. And yes. And like the, his yes. character. His character. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I was going to say the, the note that I took from that was this verb and we actually didn't talk about it as much as I thought we would, zakar, which mm. means to remember. And they say it a billion times because sure. yep. God's like, hey, remember, remember when I did those things for you? Remember <laughs> my covenant? Like, remember, 
He's like, like, remember your covenant, yeah, remember yeah. your promises. And yep. the verb is zakar, which mm. um, translates to to bring to mind. And it's actually the same verb we use when mm. we talk about mindfulness, yes. which is cool. That's very cool. So like to bring into the present. Yep. And so when we are being mindful, we're zakaring. We are bringing ourselves into the present and becoming mm-hmm. mindful. Um, so I just thought that that was cool, significant with our podcast in general. Yeah. That like, yep. It's so important for me to remember, to remember, to remember, and to have yeah. a, this sort of memory that works forward, like mm-hmm. we talked about a lot. Yep. Um, and that in my mindfulness, I carve out, when I when I give myself the opportunity to be mindful, it's not only just to like quiet my mind and like still my body, those are important, but it also yeah. clears space for me to remember, which as yep. we know is crucial for yes. faithfulness. Uh, yeah, that's good. That's really good. Okay, so question two, mm. how does the life and journey of Moses inform how we should approach this identity as people who have access to God? Like, what have we learned from him as our sort of prototype? Yeah, um, I think that God can, um, there's no limit on what God can do with us, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. and, you know, when I was, like in the episode when I was talking about like obedience, like Moses had no idea when he was saying yes to that what it would turn into. Yeah. And so um, I think about that. That's something that um, that God sees something in us that uh, we can't see. He has like this yeah. divine vision, I guess. Yeah. That's like one thing. I feel like there are so many things. I feel like the accessibility to God is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no barrier or burden that keeps us from um, approaching the throne of grace with confidence, yeah. um, approaching God. Um, you know, he names us. Um, there's so many things that I feel yeah. like we can learn from even Moses in particular. Delegation, hello. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The chapter about Jethro, that was like... Good note, Jethro. Yeah, Jethro. That was like big for me too, just as like a leader. I'm like, Moses, hey, God called you this, but you don't have to do all of it. You don't have to sit and listen to disputes. It would be stupid for you to do Actually, you're going to burn out and it's not sustainable for your people. What does he say? Like, what are you hoping to accomplish? Yeah, what What are you you hoping to accomplish? (laughs) Here. (laughs) What are you really accomplishing? Yeah. What about you? Uh, I think the note I took away, it was along similar lines, yeah. was um, like God knows who I am more than I do. Yeah. I feel like I can be similar to Moses and then I'm like, are you sure? Yes. <laughs> like when God first calls him and he's yes. like, probably someone else though, right? Yeah. You've got me confused. Mm-hmm. Like I yeah. could never possibly. And it's just like, or he probably knows though. Yeah. Maybe you should trust him. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah. And I would like hope as... Like like Moses, the more time I've spent with God on this journey, that the more confident and more mature I've become. Yeah. And the more like God and I have a more intimate relationship than we've had. Yeah. You know, and I was like, I think I think that's true, yeah. you know. And like I've grown in wisdom and stature. And um, I think that's like that's why I see Moses. Like if you look at the whole arc of Moses' story, I'm like, man. He grew so much, you know, and he I was became like, a man that God speaks to as a friend. That's yes. incredible. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, I feel like that's part of my journey. You know, yeah. I haven't nowhere near arrived. No one arrives, you know, yeah. but I'm like, oh, I feel like that's um, got what God has done in me. Yeah. So. All right. Well, let's move into our meditation then. Um, okay. So we're going to do, we're going to kind of conclude our um holy noticing um, practice. And so this is our final one. We've kind of spent part of the season um, kind of walking through each one of this, each practice for uh, this holy noticing um, meditation practice as a whole. Um, And so there's a book by Charles Stone and he talks about a five-part practice. So B-R-E-T-H-E. The B is ponder and yield your body. The R is review and renew your relationships. The E is notice and engage your environment. The A is label and release your afflictive emotions. The T is observe and submit your thoughts. 
H is search and surrender your heart. And then the E is engage the world like Christ, which he's saying, like, if you do all of these, you will be able to engage the world like Christ. Um, And so each practice is like about three minutes for a total of 20 minutes of stillness. And so um, we've already done the first um, five, or we've done B R E A. (laughs) Um, So check earlier episodes, um, the goal is to combine all the meditations into a longer practice. Um, And so today we're going to practice the H, which is search and surrender your heart. Um, So this practice helps grow us in our discernment of the Spirit's promptings. So the heart shapes everything. Um, We want to open our heart to be vulnerable to what the Lord reveals and uh, to listen. So before we begin, take a minute to get comfortable. Be kind and gracious to yourself as you settle in. Begin with long, slow breaths. Breathe in and breathe out. Let's meditate in the anchor verses. Psalm 139, 23 through 24. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Zephaniah 3, 17. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Lord, I yield my heart to you right now. Please shine your searchlight on my soul. Envision a bright flashlight shining on your heart. Reveal to me any hidden sin or wrong attitudes. Zephaniah 3.17 states our position and our identity in Christ. So beware of any tendency to criticize yourself or bring up your flaws. God takes great delight in you and rejoices over you. He loves you with an everlasting love. Pause and simply be still before the Lord.
Lord, thank you for your love, your mercy, your care, and your concern for me. I receive it with gratefulness. Thanks for joining us today. If you're looking for show notes to follow up on any references we may have shared, you can find those in the episode description or by going to our website at www.thepausepodcast.com, where you can also find links to our social media, along with a handy guide to subscribing or leaving a review. Thanks for listening.